In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's an odd time, isn't it? Our lives have been disrupted. Everything that we took for granted, all the things that we had grown used to, all the things that we used to distract us or connect us with others, topics in which to engage in the social lubrication of idle chatter, have been altered, distorted, taken away, or reinterpreted. But now it seems all that is coming to an end. We don't know what the future holds, how what we've been brought through has changed us, or how it will continue to affect us. Some people seem eager to pretend what we've been through didn't happen. Others seem unable to move forward, but there is hope. But I'm not talking about coronatide, I'm talking about Christ. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God, in his infinite wisdom, decided that between Jesus' ascension into heaven and the descent of the Holy Ghost upon the church on Pentecost, his church needed 10 days of waiting in between. In between is very important to God's plans, and one that is often overlooked. Between Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden, mankind would have to wait millennia after millennia before the fall could be rectified. When God delivered Israel from the captivity in Egypt, they would have to wander 40 years in the wilderness in between freedom and deliverance before entering the promised land and once there, endure centuries before King David could establish Israel as a true nation. Jesus died on the cross and didn't rise for three days. The whole history of the church takes place in the in-between, from the birth of the church at Pentecost until his coming again. Our lives, our Christian lives, our new lives in Christ take place entirely in between. In between our baptism and deaths and our hopeful entry into heaven and the fullness of Christ and our eventual resurrected lives in the new creation. When we receive Christ in our baptism, we are not immediately freed from our sinful desires, our misguided notions, or our distorted senses of self. Instead, we are privileged to participate in our own making. God grants us the opportunity to work with him in our own sanctification. If we are lucky, our relationship with people can grow over time, becoming deeper, richer, and more intimate. Our relationship with God is different. First of all, it doesn't require luck. It requires diligence and perseverance on our parts. Secondly, God is always giving all of himself to us. It is we who have to grow into people who can be full participants participants in the relationship with God. This growth in our relationship with and in God takes on the form of a narrative, a story of our spiritual journey. Now a solid story is divided into three acts. The first is the setup. We are introduced to the protagonist. We are shown their normal, everyday existence, the normal world which they inhabit before they receive the call to adventure and must leave their old world behind and must set off into the unknown. The second act is what the late screenwriting guru Blake Snyder termed the fun and games section. This is where Marty McFly is in the 1950s, Luke Skywalker is aboard the Millennium Falcon, Tony Stark has his Iron Man armor, it's when the Fellowship of the Rings has left Rivendell. This is where we are at in our spiritual lives. This is when the interesting stuff happens. This is the fun and games portion of our story. Our lives consist of narrative. Now narrative in its simplest form 
is merely this happened and then this happened. What makes them compelling and true is we recognize that this happened because that happened. The thing that gives meaning, the thing that turns a sequence of events into a cohesive narrative is what we call story. Now the world offers us many different competing narratives, all vying to tell a different story. We can make ourselves happy by acquiring stuff, or we can make ourselves happy by eliminating stuff. We are destroying the planet by buying these things. We can save the planet by buying these different things. It doesn't matter what other people think about you, but other people should affirm everything I think about myself. These disparate narratives causes great anxiety. I did all the things I was supposed to, then why didn't it work out? I achieved everything that was expected of me, then why do I feel so empty? The narrative the world tells isn't interested in completing the story. It wants it to go on and on, repeating the same story over and over, with the illusion of change but no wrap-up, going on and on like episodes of NCIS or Law and Order. We come to realize that there will always be a better iPhone, that whatever accolades the world offers, it can take away, that whatever our worldly achievements, money or power, they will always stay in this world. The completion of our stories is not in this world, but lays somewhere else, with someone else. God also tells a story. He chose to redeem mankind through narrative. Mankind had to endure expulsion from the garden, the flood, captivity, and wandering in the desert. It had to experience success and failure. It had to wait for a Messiah. This is a story that really happened. And even if it were never written down, it would be no less true. But through his guidance, it was written down and passed on to us. Early on, the church recognized the importance of God's story. It retold the Old Testament in light of Christ while telling his story. It set down the gospel accounts, the acts of the apostles, and preserved their epistles. And importantly, it developed a church calendar in which the church could read through the Bible narrating our lives into God's story by continually entering into the story of Jesus. Through the seasons of Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, the Ascension, and soon Pentecost and Trinity, we continually live our own stories in Christ. His story comes alive in our story, and his story we find new life. We leave our own ordinary worlds behind, the everyday world of today, merges with our old selves, the old man we put off, left behind in our baptism, and we answer the call to adventure and begin the fun and games. This is why this moment in time is so instructive. Jesus ascended and left the apostles with the promise of the Comforter. When would he come? We know, but they did not. Jesus left them, now a bit wiser. They no longer pepper him with questions, but accept his promise surely not understanding, but still believing. He gave them 10 days in which to stew, 10 days in which to pray. Jesus rose again on Sunday. 40 days later, he ascended into heaven on a Thursday, just as we celebrated. Importantly, he gave them a Sunday in which to gather together. They gathered together on the Sunday after the ascension, this Sunday, between ascension and Pentecost, today. The apostles gathered together on this day to pray together. This is what we are called to do in the in-between time. 
This is where the narrative of our lives find meaning and purpose in God's story. It is where, through the lectionary, our reading of the story of humanity, Israel, and Christ become the story of our lives. When we enter into the narrative, finding ourselves in the story and finding the story of ourselves, we find our suffering united in Christ's suffering and are, find ourselves as partakers of Jesus' triumph. It is in the in-between time, in the fun and game portion of our stories, where our narratives become one of sanctification, of becoming saints. If we have any chance of becoming saints, this is when it happens, in the in-between times. A saint, all saints really, are defined by one simple marker. They seek Christ above all else. Few of us can say the same. Certainly there are times when our desire for Christ blots out all else, but they can be fleeting. But that's what life is often like in the in-between, fleeting moments that seem to slip from our grasp when we try to hold on to them. If we cannot yet be saints desiring God above all else, we can pray for that desire. We might not yet want God only, but we can pray to want to want God. In this, we have each other and something that the church lacked for those 10 days, the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday on Pentecost, we will commemorate the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church. While each of us has received the Holy Spirit, we pray that we will receive him in new ways, that we will ourselves be new men and women in which to receive the Holy Spirit. The in-between time is where we prepare for the grand events of God's story and where the fruits of those grand events are manifested. The church received the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, just as we received our gifts at our confirmation. But the exercise of those gifts, where we get to play and use them, is the in-between time where most of life takes place. Soon we will enter into the long season of Trinity before once again returning to Advent and a new church year, not to repeat, but return into a fresh cycle of the same grand story, a story that remains constant and true, where our own narratives, the small series of events that make up our lives, are given new meaning and purpose in God's unifying story. The third act of a story is where all the choices and events of the second act come to fruition. In many ways, the ending is inevitable. The person who the protagonist was in the first act the choices they make in the second, result in a changed character who could never return to their old world but must press on and face their final challenge. The story reaches its conclusion. All the various threads come together and complete. This is the end of which Paul speaks of in today's epistle. Not an end as a stoppage, but an end as in completeness, a wholeness or unity. As he says, the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat>